Once again, great to see everybody. My name's Joe Crummy, one of the leaders here at the Meeting Place Church. I'm going to be speaking this morning. And we've been, as a church, going through a whole series on what it is to be a follower of Jesus, both for us individually, as a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, and also as a church as well. And so we've been going through various really foundational things of what it is to be a disciple of Christ. And we're going to continue with that today. And as we talk about giving... And as we start, let me just talk just for a second about our church weekend coming up, the Adam that you just saw promoed and Adam just mentioned, and I just want to highlight a couple of things from that. One is to say, we would love everybody to be there, okay? So that's from a Friday night to a Sunday morning, or till a Sunday afternoon, so that replaces our Sunday morning. So on that Sunday, May 27th, we won't be meeting here, we'll actually be meeting at Green Hill Lake Camp. In the brochure, there are many options for you regarding prices. So if you can only come on a Saturday, there's a price for you. If you can only come Sunday morning, if you can only come and you don't want to stay overnight, there's lots of options for you. If you have a family, there's family rates there. Um, So please make sure that uh, you seriously consider it. And uh, Sally will get mad at me later, but we'll wiggle room tomorrow. Being uh, We want everyone to try to sign in tomorrow. However, listen, okay, this is the big thing. If you can't come because of financial reasons, okay, we don't want that to hold things up, okay? So we want everyone there. We had pretty much 200 people uh, at some point during the weekend last year, which was pretty much most of us. We want a similar thing. We save a bit of money by not renting here on that Sunday, so we've got some extra money that we want to help, and so seriously, we want everyone there. So if you haven't registered because you're like, I can't afford it, okay, grab a registration today, Fill it out or go online, get it in tomorrow, and just put a little note with it. Just say, I need some financial help. There's no shame in that, all right? And we have other people we can ask to help out if necessary. So seriously, we want everyone there. It's going to be a key weekend. God always speaks to us. We've got Alan, Susanna Rose coming from England. Alan's going to teach into the grace of God, such a foundational thing for all of our lives. Everything we're going to talk about this morning is foundational, that we're bathed in the grace of God. Of God. That's the foundation of everything. So we're taking four extra sessions on the weekend just to teach on the grace of God. That's the focus because if we don't have that, we miss everything else. Okay? So it's really key. And again, if you can only make it on Saturday, come on Saturday. If you can only make it on Sunday, come on Sunday. We want you there. I can't stress that enough. So please make that a priority. If you've got to change some things in your schedule, it'll be worth it. Okay? You will thank me in five weeks' time for making sure that you've been exhorted to be there. All right? All right. Well, this morning we're going to continue, as I said, about really what it is to be a follower of Jesus, and we're going to hit another big topic today, and that's to do with giving and the joy of giving. And when we talk about this, we're going to be talking primarily about finances and about money, but it goes beyond that. It goes to just having a generous spirit. It goes about giving our time and our energy And some of us have different things that we're able to give that maybe we don't financially, but we're able to give our gifts and talents and abilities. So in this whole thing on giving, it goes beyond just money, but we also talk about money because Jesus talked a lot about money, and money is something that is, for most of us, for I think probably all of us, a key thing in our lives if we actually look at it. It's a key thing if we don't have any money, and guess what? It can control our life. And if we have a lot of it, it can control our life. And usually most of us are somewhere in the middle where we're like, if I just had a little bit more, then I'd be happy or then I'd be satisfied. And so today's topic is another big topic. And as followers of Jesus, Jesus speaks into all these things. So this is what we're going to take a look at. A few scriptures here this morning, and then we're going to get into, and I've entitled it The Joy of Giving, because hopefully as we walk through this, you're going to realize that giving is a joyful thing. It's not something that's done begrudgingly or out of guilt or out of condemnation or out of shame or anything like that. Actually, it's a joyful thing. And I hope as a Christian that you begin to realize in your walk with God that giving is one of the greatest things that you can ever be a part of. And Jesus said, okay, it's better to give than to receive. And we're going to take a look at some of these things this morning. So we're going to look at two scriptures. One's from 2 Corinthians 9, and then we're going to look at 1 Timothy The context here is Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he's talking about a gift that's going to be 
coming, and so we pick up the whole thing, and we're going to just pick up the principle of this whole giving, and he's talking about a financial gift in this context. So let's pick it up, up here at verse 6 of chapter 9. Paul says, the point is this, okay, we get right into it. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give, this is so key, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we've probably heard that a lot of times. God loves a cheerful giver. Kind of, we kind of say it sometimes flippantly, but there it is right from the word of God. Okay, it's not one of those ones we made up and said, it's right there from the word of God. And this is so key, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound, there's that word grace, to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service, he's talking about this gift that they're giving, is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God, that's those who receive it, because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all the others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressibly gift, inexpressible gift. And then we're going to pick up from 1 Timothy. So Paul's writing his letter to Timothy, and he's giving him instruction. And this is another one that gets quoted a lot, and we try to want to make sure it's in context. And Paul's writing these instructions. He says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But you, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith. And then he continues. And as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I love that. We put our hope not on riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. All right, Lord Jesus, we just pray today as we open up your word that you would speak to us, that you would teach us, that we want to follow you and obey you and love doing it. And we thank you that uh, you are the one that we follow. So come and speak now by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, the first thing we want to take a look at when we talk about giving is this. It all starts with God. And if you, uh, depending upon your view of God, this is a good one to kind of be able to help sometimes change our mindset about who God is. And we have to take a look at, when we talk about God, it's actually in God's nature to be a giving God. And so even if we look at what we call the Trinity, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're always giving love and praise to one another, even within their community of the Godhead. That's woof, That's a big one right there. But they're a generous community. That's our starting point. And we see that God is a giving God. We see right from creation, so from the Bible, right from Genesis, right through to Revelation, we see that God is a giving God. He gives creation. He's the one who created the heavens and the earth. He's the one who gave animals. He's the one who gave the sun and the moon. He's the one who gave Adam and Eve. He's the one who gave relationship with him. He's the one who gave marriage. He's the one who gave family. He's the one who gave purpose to life and understanding and meaning. He's a giving God, and it's good. 
And with human beings, it was very good. A gracious and generous and giving God. Then we see even with sin that entered the world and that relationship with God was destroyed and forever affected. Even then, God, right from that point on, even to today, and theologians call it common grace, that God is giving even to those who don't like him. It's common grace. God gives to those who maybe don't even know him or ignore him, and even those who are very uh, vocal in saying that they hate God. God is gracious to them because God does this. Every day, every morning, God gives sunlight, and he gives seasons, and he gives rain, and he gives harvest, and he gives oxygen, and he gives life to everyone. And Jesus even said, you know what? The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. He's a giving God. Even to those who despise him, God gives because he's a giving God. That's the heart of God is to give. And we continue on. Obviously, his biggest thing, Jesus, God gives salvation. All the way along, we see in the Bible, God makes a way for us to have a relationship with him. In the Old Testament, it was his presence. He gave the law. He picked the people for himself. He gave promises that he fulfilled all the way along, pointing to Jesus, his son who was going to come, savior of the world, who was going to redeem his people. He's a giving God. And along with salvation, he gives his Holy Spirit. He puts us into a family called the church. He's a giving God. I hope you get to understand the heart of God is this. He loves to bless his children. That's the heart of God. He says it in his promises. He wants to bless those who are obedient to him. He wants to bless their kids and their grandkids and all their future generation. That's the heart of God. So that's our starting point when we talk about giving. That's a great place to start. We start with God, that God is a giving God. That's the nature, the character, the heart of God. And we see it, obviously, with Jesus. And we read this up here that Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And I think every song we sang this morning declared that, didn't it? It was all about Jesus coming, taking our sin Okay, went to the cross, he chose the cross, he went, he paid the penalty. The father gave his son because he loved us. And Jesus, who was rich in heaven, became poor here on earth so that we who were poor and without could have access and know God as our father. That's the gospel. That's the good news that we can have a relationship with God. And it's only possible through Jesus Christ. He's the greatest gift. And when Jesus came, he talked a lot about giving. It's one of the biggest things he talked about. He talked about the kingdom of God, and he actually talked about money, probably as the two major things. So even 2,000 years ago, money was a big issue. And let me just say some of the things that Jesus talked about. He says this in Matthew 6. There's a lot of them in Matthew 6, part of the, his famous sermon. He says, so when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And he talked about what's done in secret, God will reward. God sees it. Matthew six nineteen twenty, he says, you know, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, moth, rust, destroy. He says this, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Matthew six thirty three, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So he's talking about how we stress out about so many things. He's saying, hey, seek God, and God will help take care of these things. Jesus said this to his disciples when he sent them out. He says, freely you have received, now freely give. And that's one of the things about we're going to learn that in order for you to give, you have to be a good receiver as well. And we receive from God first. Because as we're going to see, heart issues are the biggest thing. And we need to receive that new heart from God for the rest of these things to follow. Jesus says, when we're generous, when we freely give to God and others as we have sell, ourselves have freely received, it reflects something of God to everyone else. And so giving is actually quite a big deal because actually we're representing and we're reflecting the character and the nature of God and actually we're representing Jesus and Jesus is our example. And that takes us into that when we become Christians, as we talked lots about here, we now are part of the kingdom of God, that we're now part of the kingdom that Jesus is now king and that changes everything because now 
our perspective on life, on our possessions, on everything that we think we own now changes. And the kingdom perspective is this. Actually, we don't own anything. Who owns it? That's right. It all comes from God. And the Bible talks everything is from God, and it's through God, and it's for God. So a kingdom perspective, and this really rocks us in North America, okay? Well, probably everywhere for that matter, is we think we own, and therefore we control what we give away. And Jesus comes along and he brings about a whole new perspective. He says, actually, you're not an owner. You're actually this. You're a steward who's been entrusted with gifts, talents, resources, money. That's a whole different perspective. It's like God saying, everything belongs to me, and I'm going to give some things to you, and now you're a steward, and now you're responsible, and actually, you're now accountable for what you do with the things I've given to you. And so Jesus talked a lot in parables about talents and about gifts, and he said, hey, the owner went away, and he gave these things to these people, and he's going to come back, and he's going to say, what did you do with the things I gave to you? So our thinking should be, when it comes to money, when it comes to spiritual gifts, when it comes to talents and things that God's given to us, how am I a steward of the things God has given to me? Because now I'm responsible for them. So part of this message today is just waking up, us up to the reality that we're responsible for the things God's given to us. And therefore, it kind of takes away any competition between us because we realize, hey, it comes from God. So God says, I'm going to give you these things, I'm going to give you these things, I'm going to give you these things, and actually... God's gracious in that, but we're accountable. So we're not just accountable to the Canadian government. We're not just accountable, you know, in our, maybe to our spouse and our family. We're accountable ultimately to God who's given us everything. And yes, we're to work hard, and yes, we're to do our best and all those things, so it doesn't mean we're lazy. We do all the things that God empowered us to do, but at the end of the day, it belongs to him. Therefore, with that perspective in the kingdom of God, we look at everything differently. So we realize that in giving actually honors God. So part of our worship to God is giving. And again, that looks like all kinds of different things. We give our time, we give our voice, we give our body, we give our spirit, we give everything, worships the Lord our God, but it also includes our money and our gifts spiritually and our talents. And it's an honor to worship God. Okay? It's an honor to give. That's part of our worship to God. So we talk a lot about, do we include, you know what, giving on a Sunday morning? It kinda, it's, a, it's an odd one to kind of fit into a Sunday morning meeting. And we talked a lot. Do you take that out? Do you do it just at the beginning? Do you do it at the end? Do you just leave baskets? You know, kind of talk about it. And up till now, and probably will, we just say, you know what? It's a key part of our morning because it's our worship to God. And every time I put money in that basket, I'm saying, God, I worship you and not money and it's an honor to give to you because you've given to me and i can give back and i'm being a steward of the money you've given to us so worship is part giving is part of our worship it's this you know what when we get more change to be like more like jesus you realize the joy that comes and that you want to bless other people and i think that's one of the greatest things about the church when people are on fire for god their first disposition is this. It's to bless other people. Okay? And a lot of times, being a pastor, I've seen it in people. I know there's a change because Jesus has changed their heart in the attitude that our first disposition usually is our self, is our flesh. Our first disposition is, I want to protect myself. I want to, we go into survival mode, fight, flight, all those things. You know there's a change and the Holy Spirit is active when the first disposition is this, I want to bless other people. So it's amazing, and I've had these conversations with people, and my heart, I get so excited. I think this is just absolutely fabulous. When people are taking a look at their budget, and they're saying, well, I could go on this vacation because we have this much money, or we could still do something like this, which is really good, but that would give me money to help other people go on their vacation. I'm just like, fabulous. That is such a joy. What a heart to bless. And as Jesus said, with his, the parable of the widow who only gave her a couple of pennies and everyone else was given a lot more money, it's not the amount of money that really is the issue. 
Jesus looks at the heart. So when it, some of my examples, okay? And as Kelly can tell, even with our drop-in crew and all that giving, okay? Kelly's experienced this, okay? Even if you don't have much to give, it's your heart. The, give, the bit that you can give, your heart is to bless others. What a great kingdom perspective. And we now have an eternal perspective. Jesus talked about it. You know what? Store up treasures in heaven. That's the biggest thing. Okay, Paul's saying, hey, you who are rich here, be rich in good deeds. Okay, you've got a kingdom perspective because actually you're storing up for yourself a treasure in heaven. Folks, we've got to have an eternal perspective with everything in our lives, especially when it does in money. I want to make an investment in the kingdom of God that's going to reap heavenly, eternal rewards. So we believe when you give to things to do with Jesus, that's the best investment you can give, that you're giving back to God what he's given to you. Okay? And we look forward to the day, okay, in heaven, okay, we want to store up a great treasure. Okay? Part of that's kind of selfish, but part of it, we're allowed to think that way because God says we're allowed to think that way. Jesus said you can store up for yourself treasures in heaven. As we continue on, here's some, just some kingdom principles, okay? Because these kind of get into some of the things that people ask me a lot about. So I'm just going to go through them, and hopefully it's a help to you. Because these are some of the things. As we talk about these things, people are like, okay, well, let's get to some of the nuts and bolts of things. So here, here we go, okay? People ask about this, the tenth or the tithe that's talked about in the Bible. Okay, so if we go just a quick history lesson, we go back all the way into the Old Testament very early on. Actually, we see this whole principle of giving a tenth of what you own to God. It starts even back with Abraham, which he gives to King Melchizedek, which we won't even get into, okay? But just trust me on that one. My point being, Abraham in his heart, before it was even law or even God said you had to do that, Abraham was doing it. So there's just something really cool in there. But as we continue on, God, and you can look at it in Leviticus, you can look at it in Deuteronomy, all those books you love to read in the Old Testament. It's in there all over the place, okay? You'll find it. God says this, I'm helping you out, okay? Because I'm not going to read all the ones from Leviticus and Deuteronomy this morning. Basically, God says this, I want you to take everything, the first of everything. So your animals, your crop, your harvest, okay? Whatever comes in, you give the first 10% to God. And he says, no, by the way, don't switch the bad ones in and give me the bad ones and you keep the good ones, okay? He does put a few parameters in there. And we see that did a couple of things, okay? It put God first. It also did this. As in the nation of Israel, the way it was set up, there were 12 tribes. There was one tribe where the priests, the Levites, they didn't own any land. They served God full time. And that 10% that was given, animals, grain offerings, all those things, actually went and fed and helped support the Levites and their families because they were serving God in whether it was the tabernacle, the temple, different things. And they didn't own land. They weren't farming. They weren't. So it was twofold. It was hard issue. We give to God. And at the same time, it met the needs of those who were called and set apart to serve God sort of in a unique way. And that was the Old Testament. Now, unfortunately, a lot of the times, the Israelites didn't do it. And God just kept always coming back to them saying, hey, remember me? I'm blessing you. I'm giving you. And a lot of times God got their attention by saying, it's not going to rain, or an army's going to invade your crops, or whatever. That's how we got their attention a lot of the times. And we read this in Malachi, another sort of famous one, but it shows God's heart. Malachi 3.10, God says this, Bring the whole tithe, bring the whole tent into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw the floodgate of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Wow. If you ever want to take God at his word, there's one for you. So God's saying to his people in the Old Testament, Hey, you, you forgot about me. I just love it. I'm only asking for 10%. I would love it if you would bring that into the storehouse because I want to bless others. I want there to be food in my house. And if you do that, I'm going to bless your socks off. Before they even had socks. test me in this. Now, you very rarely, 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 it might even be maybe the only one that God ever says, test me in this. So it's a big deal. And God says, you test me in this, 
and I'm going to open up the floodgates from heaven. I'm going to bless you. And you know what? You're not going to have room for my blessing. Now, we jump ahead and people go, okay, that was Old Testament. Now we get into New Testament. Jesus comes along. He fulfills the Old Testament. He fulfills the law. And we pick up in the book of Acts and Jesus taught. And you know what? The, the tithe isn't mentioned really anymore. So that leaves us with a couple of questions, doesn't it? Does that mean, because it's not talked about, he didn't say stop the tithe, so the tithe keeps going, or everything's changed under grace, therefore you don't have to give 10% anymore? Those are the two questions we get asked a lot, and that's why we talk about what happens today. Do we keep giving 10%? Do we not? Okay, And that's where we get into this. First of all, before we even answer that question, we have to realize in New Testament, New Covenant, grace, Jesus, Jesus is more concerned about the heart than anything else. So before I give an answer on that 10% question, let's just take a look at the heart. There's a whole new thing. Paul says it right here. Let's read it again. Each one must give as he or she has decided in his or her heart, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. And he goes on how God is going to provide for you. So folks, this morning, the biggest thing is a heart issue. That's the biggest thing that we have to take a look at. Not how much. We'll get to that. But it's a heart issue on many levels. Because Jesus said this, you can't worship God and money. Mammon, you can't worship so money, possessions, our security, our self-sufficiency, all those things can be set up as a God that replaces the living God. And that's why this is such a big issue, because it's a heart issue. Who are we going to worship? Who are we going to trust? Okay? Who is going to control these things in our lives? In the Bible, it's very clear that our attitude and our heart is the most important thing. Because Jesus came along in his day, and the Pharisees who followed the law, and they gave 10%, they even gave 10% of their spices, like it was right down to salt and pepper. I mean, they had it all down. And Jesus blasted them. He said, you're giving everything that you're supposed to give, but your heart isn't for me. And so, I think that's a model for us today. We can give, we can even give generously, but if our heart isn't right, it's not well received from God. And God searches and knows our hearts. And the Bible spins the whole thing. And instead of it being law, as in the Old Testament, you must do this. The New Testament opens it up and says, really, I think, on how you go, at the end of the day, you don't have to give anything if you don't want to. I would be so radical to say that. You don't have to give anything. On one hand. All our financial people are freaking out right at this moment, okay? On one hand, you don't have to give anything. God's a gracious God. He gives freely. And in return, you don't have to give anything back if you don't want to. And the bottom line is, that's our starting point. However, as we see the grace of God and we see how great a giver God is and we see that we're stewards, everything's from God, as God begins to change our heart that as that whole grip of money being an idol and controlling us loses its grip on us as we trust more in God, God changes our heart, God changes our attitude and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we have these principles to go by that all of a sudden we are a generous people. Okay? That's, that's our starting point. Freely you've received. So if you understand what you've received from God and that you didn't deserve it, okay, that you deserve the wrath of God, that He that because we're in our sin and the sin's done against God, that we deserve the wrath of God, we're guilty, we receive we deserve the punishment. Okay? You do the crime, you do the time. You, we, me, deserved it. Yet God in his grace put, as we sang about this morning, Jesus Messiah, put our sin and the penalty for it on Jesus and gave us his righteousness, his right standing with God. And there's nothing I can do to earn it. I receive it as a free gift. And I enjoy all the benefits of Jesus 
in my life, then hallelujah, I freely receive, then guess what? I can give. I, I get it. And we can give generously. We can give generously to those that we want to. We can even give to our enemies. Woo! That's radical. So we can give to those who we love and that we see in need and are compassionate for. We can even be so radical as to do this. We can even think of those who don't like us, who we would even say are enemy, and we can give to them. Wow! That is radical. Because the Bible says we actually we were enemies of God. And yet God took the initiative to love us. That's a generous spirit. We can give, whoops, sorry, we can give freely. Wrong button. We don't have to give under guilt. Okay? And a lot of churches, even in Christianity, do a lot of stuff on guilt. We're not doing that. We want to give freely. So this morning, this is not a guilt message. This should be the most freeing message you can even quote me. Joe says, I don't have to give anything. <laughs> we'll have that one clip posted. Eh? We can give cheerfully. You know what? There's nothing like giving and seeing. Well, sometimes you don't even see it, but sometimes you get to see the benefit of giving that just makes you want to give even more. Okay? And you start to catch, that's the heart of the Father. Okay? Adam and Eve, you know what? They deserve punishment, and he should have just probably, to be honest, he, should have just, he could have just killed them right there. But he took them out of the garden, but he didn't kill them. He said, you know, if you eat this, you will die. He still took them out, and they lived, and he still blessed them. That's the heart of God. Now, they were under punishment and all kinds of other things. Don't get me wrong. But you begin to, if I start giving, and I'm cheerful in it, and I start to trust in God even more, and I'm starting to be able to give, and sometimes you get to see the benefits of it, and sometimes you don't. You're like, well, my treasure's in heaven, and someday, God's grace, I'll be able to see it. I'll say, hey, I didn't regret giving. You start to get into that snowball effect of cheerfully giving and seeing God provide for you and seeing other people blessed. And as we just read, people are thanking God because what you gave, they might even know you gave it. It answered their prayer, and they're like, thank you, God. You answered my prayer, and it came through you. You're like, who's next? Where else can I give? That's contagious. And again, it doesn't always have to be finances. Okay? So it can be food. It can be clothing. It can be labor. You know, again, I'm talking big picture, but money, I am talking about money as well. God loves a cheerful giver. We want to be cheerful. We want to be joyous. We want to be hilarious in our giving. That's exciting. And that kind of flips people's uh, view of church. If it's a generous, giving, cheerful. We're also expectant. We're expecting, God, how are you going to provide? So we have some needs. God, we're praying. We're seeking you. God, it's going to be cool to see how you're going to provide this time. And we've had it. Okay, folks, we, in our church, we've had it many, many times. Okay, we're way behind in the budget. And it's like July and like 50 people are here because everyone's away on vacation. And our average giving is like 4000 a week. And that Sunday, it's like 19000 And you're like, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Okay? From a world's point of view, our offering is going to be even worse this Sunday. Do we even pass the basket around? And God surprises us. He's just like, Okay, you guys know our story. We'll have to fill you another time about us going for the piece of land and we didn't, couldn't get our financial stuff together and we put the bid on with no money that we just said, well, we don't have any money, but we want that piece of land. And uh, there were 16 other groups and they got narrowed down to two and we were one of the two and we didn't get it. But they said, hey, we love what you're doing and you were the only out of the 16 that you didn't actually give us any proposal bid money. But we love what you're doing. And so when this land sells, we'll give you 150000 to go towards what you're going to do next. You're just like, you can't make this stuff up. And we can go through story after story. Okay, That's fun. It's fun to give because you never know how expectant. You don't know what God's going to do. You don't do it for that reason, but God can't help it. He loves to bless. So we're expected. And 
Sometimes it's a sacrifice. Okay, bottom line is this. We've got to be self-disciplined as well. Okay, so sometimes this is brutal honesty. Okay, you've got to give up your coffee or your case of beer in order to put money aside to be able to give away. And that's just being honest. There's a sacrifice that's to it. Sometimes we say no to things. So I'm not going to eat out as much because I'm going to take that money and I'm going to give it to church. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to take that money and I'm going to be able to bless other people. It's great to have a little pot that as I hear needs coming, maybe in our life group and different things, in our community, even to those who are my enemies, I'm going to bless them and I'm going to give. And sometimes that takes some sacrifice. And I'm not going to do this in order so I can do this. So in everything I've said today, we can be frugal. We can put money aside. We can say no to other things. We can give up some things. We can give up some habits to put money in here. That's being wise. That's being self-disciplined. That's good. Okay? And any financial advisor is going to tell you that it's a bit like your diet. Okay? You start tracking where you spend your money. You start tracking what you're eating, and you'll be surprised. It's like, oh, I didn't realize I was eating that much. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize I was spending an extra 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 500 bucks, thousands of dollars. Just in a few little changes. But my motivation is I want money to be able to give. And folks, there's a supernatural part to this. God is able. And this is fundamental, fundamental, fundamental. As we trust in God and not in our bank account. Not in our savings, not in our RRSPs, not even on the government. Okay? Some of us on social assistance net, we don't even trust in that. Our trust is in God. That's the fundamental issue. And again, it's not the amount. It's the heart issue. So if you're on social assistance, you should be able, I believe, to give money to others in need and in church because you can prioritize. Okay, And even if it's a dollar, that's a great start. Some of us have thousands to be able to give. The heart's the same thing. And God's just as pleased with the dollar as with the $10,000 because our trust is in God. That is foundational. And God is able, folks. God is supernatural. Okay? I don't understand, okay? but I believe his principles. Okay? And we're going to get in. We'll just share a little bit personally here in the next little bit. But God's supernatural. He is able to provide the, sow- the seed for the sower and the bread. God is able. And that's something we have to get fundamentally in us. God is able. And again, we've got to be wise with our money. Okay? All those things, don't, we're not foolish. Okay? We don't just give it all away and expect God, hey, unless God tells you to do that. Okay? You work, you budget. Okay? All those things, there's common sense. Read the book of Proverbs. You'll get lots of help. Okay? Talking about heart issues is that we trust God at the end of the day for all these things. And lastly, just some practical giving things just for our church family, okay? So for some of this, if you're new here, this may or may not apply, but we always have new people coming in, so it's good to be able just to go over some of these things. And Paul directed the Corinthians. He said, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside, store it up, and he gives further directions. So there's some principles we can take from it. And first of all, a lot of people ask me, well, where do I give? Okay. And that's a great question. And certainly, I think if you read through the New Testament and you can read through the book of Acts and through these letters from Peter and from Paul and John and everything, we see sort of this overwhelming pattern is that certainly people gave first to their local community of believers. So wherever you're being fed, wherever you're giving, wherever you're serving, wherever you're Putting in, there's principles. Paul put in others, say, you know what? Hey, those who are preaching the gospel, they should be compensated because that's what they're doing. And he gave different uh, examples. You can read that 1 Corinthians 9 and different ones. You give to the local church first. That's not saying that we exclusively have to give, but that should be that first fruit, should be to the local church. And if you're a committed person here, member of this church, we, we ask for that. Okay, we don't legislate it. We don't, there's no one going to, the bouncers aren't going to come to your door and uh, make sure you're doing that. Okay, but we're just saying, hey, can you give to the local church first? 
and we believe, if everyone who is part of our church gave regularly, consistently, whether it's the 10%, we'll get to that in a minute, okay, all our needs would be met. We fully believe that. We'd be overflowing with what we could do. And the second principle is this. Okay, outside of that, you can give to those in need. So let me just explain that a little bit more. There's other Christian groups and that that you might want to give to. By all means, go ahead. But we believe that's after the primary, consistent, regular giving to your local church. Even within that, you're going to hear things in your small groups, in your life groups, and different things. You're going to say, hey, someone's out of a job right now. They might need a meal, all those things. You give to those who have a need, whether you're going to get a tax receipt for it or not. That's the whole part of your left hand not knowing what your right hand is doing. So just some principles again. You say local church, those in need, that could be globally, that can be locally. How much? This is always the question. And again, I have to say, there's great faith and there's great freedom to do that. I can just tell you how personally how we give. Okay, and then this is things you have to sort out. First of all, I'll say, you've got to start somewhere, so just start giving something. That's a good starting point. Okay? And I just encourage our younger crew, middle school, high school, you start getting jobs, this should be, you get an allowance. This should start, these principles should start right there. Okay? Before you get married even, get them in, because you'll always have an excuse to say, well, once I get out of high school, once I get to university, I'm working a bit more, then I'll give. And you're like, university, oh, man, I got less money than I ever had before. And you're like, well, once I get a job, I'll get it. And then you get a job and you get your university loans. You're like, well, once I pay off my university loans, and then you realize how rich you were back in university, and you realize in univers- how rich you were back in high school. So it's just, yeah. And then you're like, well, and then you just get your student loan paid off, and now i got a family. Well, if I can just get to the Freedom 55, and I'll get my kids, and get my RESPs, and I'll get my RESPs figured out, and then you get to mid-50s, and you're like, I'm going to have to work another 10 or 15 years, so if I can just get to 70, 70, i got nothing left from when I was, because I paid for all those things. And you're like, The hecklers are usually in the back row, not the front row. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you can go through life, and to be honest, there's not much treasure in heaven. So you've got to get it young. Young marrieds, I'm telling you, you've got to get it in. For Angela and I, God thankfully got it into us when we had no money. So we were literally like $1.00. Five dollars on a Sunday morning, okay. and for us, we just started with the ten percent because we needed discipline in our lives. So it wasn't a legalistic thing; it was just like that's a good starting point. Because the thing is, if you can get that in your life when you've got nothing, it helps you not justify when you get a little bit more, and it hurts a little bit more because the dollar amount goes up that you're giving, and it shouldn't. Because when we had nothing, that $5, actually we needed that more than when we gave maybe 500 later. You're like, 500, man, five, 500, 500. Actually, if we had 500 to give, that showed we had a lot more money, didn't it? Let alone 5,000 and beyond. So you've got to get it on the inside first. And it's test God. So Angela and I, I mean... We first got married. We didn't. Neither one of us had jobs. We had no car, no TV, everything. Her father-in-law, my father-in-law, thought we were crazy. Thought he was going to beat me up for not providing for his daughter. We were seeking God. We felt God wanted us to do different things, and we felt right in the beginning of our marriage we're going to give. This is foundational, and thankfully we got it worked out even before we got married. And test God, and we gave. Okay, and we did have the food delivered, knock on the door, no one there, and there's supper. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And God providing people like Kim and Leo to paint their deck, and I got paid, and I'm really slow because I'm very meticulous, so my hours racked up really high. (laughs) And that's a true story. And Leo's going like, yeah. His RRSP would even be more topped up if it wasn't for us. And Kim had a baby and hired Angela to help, knowing 
we needed the help. Okay? And we're, we're still grateful. Okay? Because they had a generous spirit. And they had more than we. And so that put something in us that, oh yeah, when we have a little bit more money, we're going to hire someone else who could use some money. Do you see how that helps sow seed? And we started giving and giving, and God provided, and God provided, and God's still providing. Okay? And for us, we felt God speak to us. 10% for us is the minimum. Okay? And we've been able to, over the years, go even, and we're not bragging, we're just trying to help you out being honest with you, say this is real life. We're single income, okay? four kids, so we, we understand the pressures, and we have to make other sacrifices. Okay? But God provides and blesses us immensely. Now, there's some things in our story that are unique that, you know what, you can't take it too much, but the principles are there and the heart's there. So for us, and this is what you got to start somewhere because we're trusting God, we believe it's biblical, and I'm putting it into action. We're going to see how God's going to provide. As God grows your relationship and as he gives you faith, as he gives you maybe certain amounts, you can give those to us. For us, we are absolutely convinced we, would, we wouldn't have it any other way. We're always looking, hopefully, to give more, both to local church and beyond. It's a joy to give, and we've received more than we've ever given. So there's faith involved, and there's great freedom. And we can be honest and say, you know what? Hey, when we were double income, no kids, guess what? We gave more than we can now. That's, that's kind of common sense, isn't it? God understands that. So again, the amount isn't so much. It's what you can do. In a, okay? For us, we give Sunday mornings. Some people give once a month because they get paid once a month or whatever. Some people give every week. Okay? The key is just remember to give. Okay? And uh, we're looking at some other things to try to help out in the next year or two to help with that. And along with that, these are just very practical things. Because we know what, folks, we have... In Canada, we have this great thing that you can get a tax receipt for giving to a not-for-profit for a charity, and we're able to do that. And we would give even if that gets taken away. That's not why we, but for now, you might as well benefit. And you, if you get money back, then you can give that. you got even more to give, okay? And so we have envelopes, and you can get with Gail or Teller and others, you can get you know, receipts so that records. So I just encourage you, know, if you're giving okay, on a regular basis, Take advantage of that. That's, some people are like, well, I don't left hand, right hand. Well, you've got to have a clear conscience with that. We think, hey, we live in a nation of Canada. We're obeying the rules. And if God can provide you with more money through that, that's even better. Checks just made out to the meeting place, Inc., or just the meeting place. And these are just some of the things in our church life. Okay? We ask for regular giving. Like I said, we have a budget every year. Okay? So, again, we're by faith, but very practical things and we always provide the budget beforehand at our annual meeting you can see the budget from the year before you can see where everything was spent you can see the budget coming up for the year coming it just helps us when people give on a regular basis for the whole you know money in money out all those different things that's very helpful so we can help you we can help you explain more some of those practical from time to time we all, there's offerings as well so we believe the committed local part that we set aside and then there's offerings above and beyond our regular giving. And those happen all the time. That happens just in normal life. In your life groups, it happens tons that you give money to different things and all that. Those, we believe, are above and beyond. And you can give to other Christian groups. You can give to other things in the world. So we've encouraged all those things. We have the storehouse fund where 10% of everything comes in our regular giving. We try to give away outside of our local church. So we're trying to practice that even as a church. And so... We give away to all, when there's disasters and different things, we give to other aid agencies and we give to other churches. We've given to other churches here in the city, other Christian organizations, all kinds of different things. And so last year, I forget what we were. We were somewhere 25,000 or so that we were able to give away to those different things. And uh, again, you're able, as things come up, you can suggest things to us as elders to consider and with the directors to be able to give that money away. And then we have audits done for our church as well, so that everything's on the up and up. And actually, a lot of the things with Canadian revenue and all the different things actually help us to be accountable. 
But just, you know, we explain this again at our annual meeting that, hey, we've had an audit, independent audit done. The books are good, and you can um, look at the books if you so desire. So there's nothing to hide there. So last thing I just want to speak into, as our time is moving right along, okay, is we made a budget for this year. And uh, last year, um, every year, thankfully, we've been able to put the budget up. And every year, our giving has increased, which is fabulous. Uh, we're a very generous church, and we had our biggest gift day. So we have gift days once or twice a year where we give above and beyond our regular giving towards something. And last year, we were able to give it towards Don and Stephanie being with us for three months and towards church planning with Vancouver, looking ahead to PEI and others. And we had our biggest gift day ever um, last spring. I think just under around 40000 came in, which was above and beyond our regular giving, which was fabulous and we're really thankful for. This year in our budget, we increased it um, over 20% um, as growth. And uh, we brought Brent on board to work full-time at the end of March with, again, him helping with pastoral care, overseeing kids' church, and helping us in many different ways with discipleship and taking the load of uh, a lot from just the weight of our church life and people needing help. And that was the main thing, increasing our budget. We've now had, uh, not including... Today, 17 Sundays from January. We go January 1 to December 31st. And right now, after 17 Sundays, we're about just over 1,000 behind in our weekly giving. So we needed over 6,000 a week. Um, I don't have my annual report right in front of me. But over 6,000 a week to meet our budget. And we're at about 51. We need it like 62, I think it was, or something like that. So that's just updating you. On where we are, no need for panic. That's just the facts. Last year, we were able, in the last couple of years, we've been able to have a surplus every year. So we've got some surplus in there, which is helpful that if we need to uh, eat into. It's there. But we just want to make you aware of that, that if you're not giving, again, not under guilt, but you need to know the facts along with the faith. All right? So that's where we're at. So what we're going to do, in, um, we've got our diff days coming up next two weeks, May 6th and May 13th, we do a separate offering. We do them over two weeks just because of a practical thing. Sometimes people aren't here every week, so we want to give a couple of opportunities uh, to give so you don't have to say, well, do I give the first week and then the second week? Well, if God tells you to, you go right ahead. But you can just put in one offering, either in the first or the second week. That's why we only do it over uh, two weeks. And this is what we're going to do. Our main goal for that gift day is this. We want to put it towards what we titled our capital fund, which is we got to keep looking towards, we're always looking at new facilities, whether to rent. So we've even looked at some different other church buildings that we might be able to rent on a Sunday instead of UMB. If UMB ever says no, that we can't meet here anymore, right now we have no plan B. Okay, so we are here at least till July 1st, but we're always looking. There might be better facilities with storage and different things. Uh, yes, everyone's going, all the moving team are going like, please. Um, so that's your plug to give. Uh, or, you know what, God pro- provide another building. As we own our own building, it's paid off, and it's been great for the other six and a half days of the week. We're always searching. We've actually just met with a developer a month ago to just look at some options for our current building, looking at some other pieces of land or different things. And again, we're just trying to get the facts. We're trying to be proactive, so we're praying, we're seeking God. We feel like we don't have that definitive, this is what God says we're going for. We don't have that yet, so we're going to keep praying. But we want to do our part to be proactive that we know when that day comes, we're going to need money up front for several things. And so that's what our gift day is going towards for either a transition that we might be renting somewhere else that might have some other costs involved to it, or God might provide a building that maybe is already there we need to renovate, or maybe we need to put some money down on a future facility, then we're going to need money up front to be able to sow into that. And just as we've done before in just getting here, that's a step of faith, and so that's what we're giving towards. But we're going to say this with a little asterisk again. If by December we are several, possibly even tens of thousands of dollars behind in our this year's budget, then we're going to take some money from that gift day just to help cover for this year, okay? Because we don't have a huge reserve. 
So we're by faith believing, hey, our giving is going to go up. It's only the end of April. We feel, hey, we've got time for things to increase that God's going to provide for us. Maybe one of those wacky Sundays in July will really spike, and that will cover everything. We can't predict those things. So we're saying we want our gift day over the next couple of weeks, so we ask you to pray and to consider, God, we're sowing into something for the future. Okay? I wish I could say, hey, we've got this building, and I'll tell you all about it, and your faith will rise, and you're like vision, and we're going to go for it. We don't have that right now. We're saying we're believing God knows the timing, and as we seek him, what we need to pour into, and we want to be diligent, just as you were going to buy a house, you'd have a down payment. That's what we're going towards. And so we're asking you to be able to give generously to that, knowing that if we have to dip into that by later on in the year, then that's what we're going to do. The last thing I'm going to leave you with is this. Okay? I think it's really important. And somehow, sometimes prophetic words, um, it's just trying to figure out where they fit. And I'm going to share these two as we close. And you're going to say, this has not anything to do with what I just said. And you might be true, so this is my risk. But I think it's really important that I share them. I didn't have time last Sunday to share them. But there's a couple that have come up over the last couple of weeks when everybody was here two weeks ago and even before that. And I want to read them because I think it really needs to be said. I had three different people two weeks ago have basically the exact same word. And I'm just going to read one of them. And then I'll speak into it. And then I've got another one from... Sarah Gosling. I don't know if Sarah's in here or she's out with the kids, but I'm going to read Sarah's as well. Okay? So this is one of the three that I received two weeks ago. And this guy came. He's not from Fredericton, so this is the context. He says, I was struck by the concrete support sticking out of the river from the old bridge. So if you can picture that down the Carlton Bridge. Felt that some here, probably older people, he said, um, were feeling like those posts. They feel that things have moved on, like with the new bridge, and they don't have a part to play, so they feel they will just watch from the sidelines. Therefore, they didn't respond to the message. That was Jeremy's message from two weeks ago. God wants to challenge them. They are fully part of what God is doing in the church here, and God wants them to stand up and take their place in whatever God has for them. Okay, So I had two others about people feeling disqualified and just that they, God says, no, you're qualified. Okay, this is the one from Sarah. Is Sarah here? She went out. Okay, that's why she handed it to me. She thought she wouldn't be here. Sarah got this, okay, last a couple uh, months ago. She said she felt God highlight people here from TMP, and she gave a whole list of names. And she said, like, Peter Maureen, Annie and Lisa, John and Pam, Pete and Donna, Kelly, Keith Lovell, and many others. She said the way they serve in the building of church They are golden bricks gone through the refiner's fire and give church its beauty. They hold a rich inheritance. And younger people, Christians, younger Christians, should get alongside of them and learn from their life. And Sarah shared an example of how she was mentored by Ann Simpkins, how Maureen's done that with Bronwyn, other examples, and how much of a blessing that is, and how to invest in the life of the younger generation. And Sarah writes this, church planning, church building, not just for the younger ones. She said, church planning is not just for the younger ones, people in their 20s, to go forward, but for you to take up the baton and run. It's not a time to sit back and relax. We need you. And she had a picture of one of those wartime posters. You know, we need you. It's hard. Life experiences make you strong. You are able to understand the storms of life in order to help the younger ones. Okay? So I just want to speak in to those two because... You know what, over the next few weeks, and if we go to our church weekend, we're going to be sharing about more things that we feel God's advancing us in. And this is how, first of all, how the enemy works. And I know this is going to be textbook. So I'm being proactive and on these prophetic words. Okay? As people raise up in leadership, as some people are going to go, as some people are going to appear to be, quote-unquote, more in the spotlight, your flesh is going to hate it. And you're going to feel left out, and you're going to feel overlooked, and you're going to feel like this is for everyone else, but it's not for me. And there's going to be about a 100 of you that feel that way. And you just need to say no to your flesh, and you've got to say, I'm a part 
of what God's doing. And God says, he needs me. And so I'm going to give financially because that's needed. I'm going to give whatever gifts and talents I have, whether I'm going or where I'm staying. You are valued and you are needed. And so I'm saying it publicly so that no one can say, I felt this way and no one, I'm saying it to you right now, if I can look you all in the eye, (laughs) okay? You're not the only one that feels that way. That's understandable. And to some degree, we sympathize. But then we say, don't dwell there. You just heard some prophetic words to say, you're needed. You're a part. You're right in the middle. We need, say it again, every hand on deck to play every part with your gifts, with your talents, with your time, your energy, and to be honest, with your finances as well. Because you're sowing into the kingdom of God. You're storing up for yourselves eternal riches. And whether it's a dollar or $10,000, God knows your heart. And we need every penny to go towards the things that we believe God's propelling us and accelerating us forward. Okay? Gary, did you have something over here? Yeah. Um, I think this is a pivotal morning. And uh, I really do feel that uh, there are some principles that have been shared this morning that are quite uh, profound. And this is, if I can say it, this is part of repentance mm-hmm. what we're talking about here. Because repentance, as we all are under grace, repentance is uh, changing our direction and changing our worldview and our mindset and following the kingdom of God. It's, a, it's an upside-down kingdom, folks. It works different. Mm-hmm. I just want... Uh, Bart's going to just share briefly just a picture he saw during uh, Joe's message. And I want to share, I just felt like God spoke to me this morning to share just a very brief testimony about this whole area. So, Bart, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Spirit of God, while Joe was, was preaching there, just reminded me of this profound, simple yet profound experience I had a few months ago with my three-year-old son, PJ. Mm-hmm. And he asked me for a cookie, so I gave him a cookie, and I went back to the couch to lie down and read my book. Mm-hmm. And he came up to me with a little smile, and he, he broke the cookie in half, and he said, Here, Dad, have some of my cookie. Mm-hmm. And the Lord really spoke to me in that moment that it's a little picture of what God wants our hearts towards him to be like. Mm-hmm. You know, the cattle in a thousand hills belong to the Lord. He doesn't need our stuff. He doesn't need our money. Right. He could just do it all himself if he wanted to, but he just loves that, that uncalculating heart of, affection and gratitude and generosity for him. So that's what, that's what the Lord oh, is desiring. That's great. Thanks, Bart. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. While Joe was speaking, mm-hmm. I just felt like, uh, and it goes right along with mm-hmm. what Bart has shared and with what Joe has shared, mm-hmm. and I, I just felt prompted, and I, I didn't have any plan to share this before I got to the meeting. Um, there was a time about uh, 12 years ago where both Barb and I, uh, Barb wasn't working, and uh, she was home with the boys, and she was actually homeschooling. And um, we were financially uh, in a very tight, tight spot. But from a very, uh, from very, from before we were married, we just as Joe has shared, had it in our heart to uh, give financially. We we give of our time, all those things. You know, and those those are important. Yep. But the wallet is really where uh, a lot of uh, what we talk about, when we talk about repentance, the wallet is where a lot of things are because of our culture. And we just made that firm decision, we're going to do this. And so we decided from a very early time in our relationship, that's what we're going to do. And we sat, it, it got to the point where doing what God asked us to do, take care of our kids at home, do all these things, and I was working. We were sitting at our kitchen table with a financial advisor because we were in desperate straits, we felt. Mm-hmm. And he looked at us in the eye, and he, I showed him our ledger, and I showed him what we were giving. And he said, if you don't, and this is a Christian guy, mm-hmm. he said, if you don't stop giving, uh, my advice to you is to claim bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. If you don't stop giving, mm-hmm. then you're going to have to declare bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And Barb and I heard that, and I just said, Basically, very politely, but more or less what I said was, I guess our meeting's over. (laughs) And we said, no, we're not going to stop giving. Mm -hmm. In fact, 
We're going to continue to give just as we had always given. And I believe that was a benchmark moment for us because we had a choice to make Mm -hmm. in the face of what looked like reality. Mm -hmm. Bear that in mind. What looked like reality, we had a decision to make. And we basically did the Malachi test. God, we're testing you. This is what your word says. We're going to continue to do this. And God literally, within the next year, completely turned around our picture, not just in terms of our giving mm-hmm. and, and our finances, but in many, many other areas as well. Mm. And I just felt like this morning that there are some people here this morning that you're in that benchmark moment right now mm-hmm. where you're looking at your finances and you're looking at your, your personal life and your relationships and you're saying, you know what, it isn't where I want it to be but I want to do something about it. Mm. And uh, I just feel like this morning Mm. that this message is a key one, not just about money, it's about our heart. Mm -hmm. And so if if it's okay, I'd like to lead us in a prayer. And if we can stand, I just Mm -hmm. feel the weight of it this morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I want to urge you, you, if you would like to speak to me and Barb or Joe and Angela or Kevin and Marilyn just about how God has worked out these things in details because, you know what, we need to do that. Mm -hmm. We need to expose mammon for what it is, Mm -hmm. and we need to bring it out in the open Mm -hmm. because everything in our culture says, don't talk about money. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. So, Father, this morning we stand here too as a congregation who loves you. Mm -hmm. And, Father, we do say that we stand against the world's way of doing things against the world system. Mm-hmm. And Father, we want to be as children to say, mm-hmm. Father, here's half of my cookie. Yeah, that's right. We want to be joyful givers like our children are joyful mm-hmm. givers to us. Mm-hmm. We want to be joyful givers to you in our finances, in our time, mm-hmm. in how we build relationships, yes. sacrificially giving. Mm-hmm. Lord, would you help us? Lord, would you help us to be bold and courageous to be able to to, uh, to speak to who we need to speak to, mm-hmm. to take action where it needs to be taken. Father, that we would change the pattern of our thinking yeah. so we would not be as the natural man, but we'd be as the spiritual. And Father, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to bring this into the light yes. that would glorify your kingdom and your name. Yes. In Jesus' name, we yes. pray these things this morning. Yes. Amen. 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 All right. All right, well, thanks, everyone. We'll close there. You're welcome to join us for coffee and tea afterwards. As Adam said, we're going to be worshiping God together tonight at our building, 730. Pray you'll have a great afternoon. You've got lots to talk about in your life groups this week. And join us out front. We'd love to get to know you more. Thank you.